Hi everybody, welcome to Drag Racing's Golden Era. My name is Randy, I am the Editor-in-Chief here. We are bringing you another in our series of Legends of the Sport. Tonight we, as always, have great treats when we bring some of these guys to you, and tonight is no exception. We are doing a joint interview tonight, which is something we haven't done before. We are joined by Terry Cap, who many of you know as the 1980 U.S. Nationals winner, driver of the Wheeler Dealer. He did so much more, and we're going to find out about that. And we are also joined by his primary crew chief bernie fetterly who all of you know went on to be a co-crew chief with john force and did a whole lot of other stuff but we're going to talk about those two and what they did together and how they all got started so uh let's start terry I, i'm glad that you're here with us it's a great thrill to have you on the program tonight absolutely randy the pleasure is all mine <laughs> and bernie you as well i think you're in indiana now aren't you we welcome you to the program yes uh yeah we uh, lived in brownsburg uh uh, you know, race, race, drag race capital of the world, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's get started with all this. Uh, you know, to try and do two of you at once is going to be interesting here because we've got to try and get uh, both points both points here and make this all work without everybody talking over each other. So why don't we just start with, I'll just say, Terry, why don't we start with you? How, how did you and Bernie first get together? I believe it was in school. That goes all the way back to then. That's correct. Yes, we uh, we met in high school, uh, skipping classes and sneaking out and working on hot rods and things. But that goes way back into the into the mid '60s, early '60s, mid '60s. God, it's even further back than that. I think that's why I had Bernie be included in this deal because he can straighten out the dates and things and anything that I might screw up. But though that's exactly it. Uh, uh, we met in high school and he had an interest in cars and so did I. And, uh, and we just started going from there and saying, okay, now one of these days we're going to have to build something. I think that at that point in time, Bernie already had his 36 Ford coach. And, uh, I was looking for something to drive on the street other than an ordinary domestic car. And, uh, and we kind of bashed our heads together and snooped around and we, uh, pulled a 32 Ford truck out of some guy's garage actually his mother's garage but uh that's kind of how it started and you know we chased that thing around a bit and uh, raced it predominantly in in alberta and uh started right here in edmonton at uh, i think the number seven supply depot which is uh, air force base and then occasionally we take it uh, to calgary on a tow bar so you know that's kind of where it all began well bernie uh did you did you know early on that you weren't going to be a driver you were going to be a wrench turner i mean did, did you know that or not um yeah i wasn't so as intrigued by the driving end of it as as terry was for an example he he, he, was, he was just a driving fool whatever it was <laughs> had wheels on he was he, he could drive and I, I never my talents were weren't exceptional in those areas i could i could drive all right but you know uh as far as you know, going down to store or something. Yeah, I could, I could drive, but <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, I, I think we both had had one, our uh, uh, had our uh, ideas of where we wanted to go, and and I enjoyed the mechanical side of it, and he was he was natural with the driving side of it, so worked out good for us. You know, there's there's something that, you know, for our, our younger viewers out there that they probably don't understand about the Canadian scene up there. There was a lot of guys that came out of this scene, a lot of guys that 
the Capital City Hot Rod Association. I mean, who is all in that thing? I don't, whoever wants to answer that. I mean, who, I mean, uh, Dale Armstrong was up there. Uh, was Gary Beck was up there. Who else was in that? Well, you know, uh, CCHRA, as it's referred to, Capital City Hot Rod Association, goes way back to the 50s. And uh, when Bernie and I were in high school and started messing around with cars, we ran into, of course, more guys and uh, said, hey, you ought to come and uh, get into one of these meetings and see what it's all about. And that's kind of where we all connected. Dale Armstrong was from Calgary, and uh, and uh, he did intertwine with us. But Graham Light, he yeah. was a CHRA member. And uh, I don't know whether, I think Rob Flynn was too damn young to to join at that time. But I think eventually he became a, a member of CCHRA much later, you know, probably when Bernie and I had retired from CCHRA. But uh, uh, I think Bonin, who was in, in Red Deer, uh, he he was a member of CCHRA just to be a member of CCHRA because that was sort of the governing body. And what, what that organization did do, they actually put on the drag races that weren't at a particular drag strip, whether it's at that number supply depot or whether it was on highway 14 because we used to have uh, a cooperation with uh, alberta government where they'd block off a chunk of highway and sunday afternoons and we'd go beat our brains out there so that's where cchra was all involved with uh, setting up the fence getting the flag man not the tree <laughs> and things of that nature bernie you have anything to add to that no, those were uh, those were fun times. I mean, we we started with absolutely zero knowledge of of the sport, other than the fact that we knew it was happening. It was kind of a big deal in California, and and uh, uh, so it must have been good. So we, we thought, well, <laughs> we'll uh, let's let's give this deal a shot, you know. So anyway, we hung out a lot around a lot, and and uh, with the CCHRA group, uh, there was some. Just some all the whole hardcore racers from around Edmonton uh, uh, were members, and they uh, they uh, there were a lot of volunteer work went into it. They worked hard at, at getting the whole deal going, and, and uh, yeah, it was great. So I, I guess one thing that uh, I came across when I was looking at all the information about both of you guys was that you had actually gone, Bernie, you'd actually gone to what a technical school to earn a degree, uh, as far as, uh, mechanics went. Yeah, I went to, to, uh, NEIT and, uh, uh, or Nate and, uh, we, uh, I did the uh, automotive apprenticeship route and, and uh, uh, that was in that for, for, I guess, four years or something. And, and, uh, Ended up with uh, you know certification and and all the stuff that they had real good programs and uh, I was lucky enough to um, be able to take advantage of those to improve my racing skills. So so <laughs> that, uh, yeah, it worked out for me. <laughs> well, what okay? So the the two of you together, what what was the first car that you officially raced as a as a I guess let's call it a team as a team? What's the first car? That that would have been that would have been a thirty two Ford truck. Yeah. You know, we ra we raced that from probably I'd say uh, early sixties, uh, you know, for a couple of years to sixty two, sixty three, or something like that. And uh, and you know, uh, we went through a few cars uh, after that, of course, until uh, until the Pioneer Anglia sort of came into fruition. And that, as I referred to, that was our first real professional race car because it. 
the lettering wasn't on it with shoe polish. It was actually paint. You will leave. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was paint. So we, you know, we ran that Anglia successfully from about sixty-seven to mid seventies, I'd say, and uh, and then we kind of retired that, and we got involved with the Sea Dragster for a while, and then and then uh, you know we uh, we got in, involved in another car, which was a bad dream. Uh, we picked up uh, what was supposed to be an A fuel dragster. I mean, uh, very lightweight. It had a mag body, and and it was a only a high gear only car. And uh, I, you know, I wasn't that much bigger uh, at the time. And you know, you had to put that that get into that car like putting on a pair of pantyhose. Not that I ever did, but I kind of thought that must be what it felt like. And you know, we we chased that up and down the drag strip in in Edmonton here, and that damn thing wouldn't go over. 175 miles an hour unless something faster would be pulling it right so we kind of gave up on that thing and uh, that's before we we sort of got involved with uh west van Dusen, who had a front motor top fuel car and uh they had some he had a partner he had a driver and uh they had some issues with it and somehow bernie and him started talking about it and bernie was giving him tune-up tips and things and then he finally said you know what how about you guys just take this car and do something with it so uh, we did <laughs> 392. Bernie can probably elaborate on that thing. You know, every time you let the clutch out on it, you had to replace the the, the main bearings, or else actually crack the block. But it was one of those deals. But uh, we ran that for several years as as uh, the Nitro Express, and uh, uh, that was Wheeler Dealer. That was before Wheeler Dealer's inception. Then I guess this is why we called it the Nitro Express. Quick, you know, I keep getting these brainwaves here when I'm telling about it. The reason it got called the Nitro Express was Wes Van Dusen was a hunter. You know, he uh, he just left us here about a year ago, uh, you know, been friends ever since and partners with race cars and such, but he was a big time hunter. He, he wanted something, a, a name with some significance. So he says, let's call it the Nitro Express. Well, okay, uh, are we just gonna haul Nitro or what does this thing really mean? Well, the Nitro Express, was a bullet made by CIL that manufactures, you know, uh, bullets for various various guns, and that bullet was exclusively for killing elephants. Wow. There you go. <laughs> so he thought, well, we're going to take this ninety two, and it's going to be an elephant killer. Well, it didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> but, oh, jeez. Well, Bernie, since he brought this up, you know that uh, I'm assuming the transition from uh, running a a gas, B gas, C gas, whatever gas motor you guys class you were in to running a nitro motor is not exactly a, a easy learning curve, is it? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, we found it to be real challenging. <laughs> uh, no, it was a real challenge, and we uh, we we were, I guess, ill prepared, and the information wasn't generally available. You know, the guys that that did know how to do it weren't about to tell tell someone else and it was a it was a you know it was quite a quite a quite a learning curve actually and uh uh fortunately uh we uh we had enough stick to, to it stick to it enough that we uh were able to uh you know, hang in there and prevail till we learned enough to, you know to where we could raise competitively uh, but that elephant killer deal that was that was it uh, Late model uh, Chrysler's were, were, were uh, elephant engines. They called them elephants, and 
And uh, so the elephant killer was uh, killed itself more than it killed any elephant. They, they, I think they were real safe. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, those 392s, the, here's one good thing about them. The 392 back then, anyway, you could go to a junkyard and grab another 392 block out of the junkyard for 50 bucks. I don't know if that was true yet when you guys were doing this, but I know they were a dime a dozen and there aren't a whole lot of them left anymore. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we pulled a few junkyard ones out and raced them before, you know, the next couple of days later, a day later, later. So it was, a. Uh, yeah, that was a, a different different time. These these uh, current engines are there's no OEM parts on them. They're just a, all aftermarket and wazoo stuff. So you guys run the Pioneer. I did not realize that you guys ran that thing uh, or ran that thing. You said into the middle seventies before you switched over to fuel. Is that correct? Mm, yeah, that would have to be in. Uh... Well, let, uh, let's let me think about this a little bit. No, it wouldn't be mid seventies because we got our first back motored Woody car in seventy two, I think. Right, Bernie? Yeah. Uh, seventy two or three? Yeah, uh, seventy two, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So it would it would be before that, and it, it, it eventually that car got converted to a wheeler dealer car and was a full bodied car, nice looking car, and we did put an elephant in it. Uh, we were we were beating up that ninety two and cracking the main webs in it and such and. And uh, we we ended up down at Keith Black's shop, and uh, Charlie Allen, who at that time was racing a funny car, he uh, was in Black's yard, and on his ramp truck, his funny car was, and in the compartment behind the cab, there was a 426 that he said he would gladly sell to us, right? So uh, we uh, negotiated, and we picked up that 426 and uh, put it in the front-motored wheeler dealer car, and uh, I think we raced it first time in, in Saskatoon uh, after we brought the engine to Edmonton and put it in and uh, kind of, I think we dialed it in at the racetrack at Speedway a couple of times. And then we went to Saskatoon and, and the thing, you know, I don't recall the ETs, but it, it was a fa incredibly fast a mile an hour, mile an hour was right up there in uh, 240, 245s, I believe. And uh we uh, we came back and you know the talk was oh well that, that pr it probably didn't go that fast it's uh, it's uh, you know uh, I hate to say it but they said it was a gap time right that's the term they used in those days but nonetheless uh, nobody believed that it ran that fast so the next event that uh, we went to was at Seattle and it uh, even went a little faster so that kind of quelched that uh, belief but uh, after that you know obviously we were we were. Uh, quite impressed with the elephant engine and uh it uh, went on to another dragster did i get some of that right bernie <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i think we're pretty much on course you know i was just thinking uh back on those those uh the, the, those experiences but i think wes was overly optimistic when he would talked about the parts that he was what he had for us to get started his 392 stuff was uh a museum quality <laughs> quantity anyway <laughs> uh so so we weren't going to beat anybody with what we had so it was a good thing we made that move but uh that was uh, yeah it was pretty cool <laughs> did it yeah. make your did it make your life easier uh bernie well, to be able to oh, have yeah. that 426 oh boy yeah and it had some odd stuff on it at that time uh dragsters if they ran a late model engine if they ran an elephant they were trying a stock stroke uh 
a stock bore deal and uh and uh it was uh uh fortless so they were 426s and uh then uh but if you if you had put that same engine in to race the funny car you put in a, you put a stroker in it for four four hundred thousands or five hundred thousands whatever uh and uh and it was and that was a funny car combination lower compression and whatever but anyway we uh we didn't we thought well hey whatever whatever we're getting here it's got to be better than what we had so so we uh we uh, uh put that in and uh, uh, there was a couple other deals that went along with that deal but you know there was a fuel pump overdrive which we had no knowledge of you know we said what's, what's this thing how does it work oh hey look at this guys you know <laughs> and, it and it was, so we pulled it on and anyway this thing was very very fast it's it uh it's at saskatoon when we ran the thing and it uh, uh it was had two flat tires at the end of the track and that it it had spun the tires the centers right out of the tires and just burned about you know which was unusual at that time and uh so anyway we uh, got fresh tires on it and ran it again and it ran pretty good and so we ended up at the coast uh, you know looking for better air and boy i tell you it was uh it was we had a lot of good times with that thing well it, i i thought you were going to forget about that uh, pump overdrive because uh everybody that uh, that didn't know any better thought that was some device that we were cheating with right <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right yeah but that engine like bernie said you know it uh, uh it was a stock stock stroke and uh, worked good in the dragster but at that point in time i think we already had we were we had a funny car then it would have been that vega i believe uh didn't we yeah we did and uh we we'd uh we'd switch the engine we had one engine and two cars so that engine made it into the funny car every once in a while as well but uh that was that's a whole new story that we'll probably get to a little later when you attend a meet with the funny car and a top fuel car and one motor it's pretty hectic if you win rounds <laughs> <laughs> well i did i did read that that wes had a uh uh you know a, a match circuit funny car and top fuel car going to match racing and were did you drive both of those terry or who drove the yes yes i drove them both <laughs> so you <laughs> you were doing double duty at, at at match racing yeah even even and and again one engine <laughs> <laughs> oh, bernie i feel sorry for you <laughs> we were having fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah matter of fact they they had to uh uh bernie and the boys had a commandeer a mini bike to make sure i got back on time they had the, all the engines ready it just or the engine ready it's just a matter of where the hell's capped oh okay go get him he's down there somewhere <laughs> bring that car back and sometimes they'd leave it there and it was it was it was a lot of fun yeah right that's how come we got this gray hair man <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. it definitely was a different time back then wasn't it absolutely absolutely yes well, and you know, and Bernie, both of you guys, uh, with you guys raced into the '90s, uh, and Bernie, you were you were going long after that. And the scene from the days when you could have a couple of guys put a top fuel car together and go race successfully to where we we ended up now. I mean, what a what a huge change! And and I I wish there was a way to go back to those days, but I know that ship sailed. Yeah. Well, just you know, having said that. You know, there there was Bernie, who, who was absolutely that was it. We had to have him, and he had to have 
me, I guess, because <laughs> we had the car and we had one crew guy with us at all times, sometimes two. And if it was a local race, there'd be three. Otherwise, you know, uh, like that, the U.S. Nationals, which we frequented a few times before winning it, uh, you know, it was uh, Bernie, myself, one of the guys from the shop that worked for Bernie at Wheeler Dealer, and uh, or else, uh, you know, and a guy that drove the rig if one of us wasn't available. And, you know, we, we all had jobs and things, so it was kind of tough to get away. But if we had four guys on the crew, we were laughing. Otherwise, you know, it was uh, it was pretty tight with just uh, two two or three. And, and uh, you know, I just did what I was told. The only time I got a chance to relax is when the motor started, right? So <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> so I were the, were the other crew guys, were they just tire wiper kind of guys or were they actually knowledgeable guys? Well, Bernie would have to answer that. I think they're pretty knowledgeable or else he would have turfed them. <laughs> yeah. No, they, we had we had some plenty competent mechanics, uh, uh, you know, real and real devoted to the, the cause. And, uh, uh, you know, so that was fortunate because it's one of those deals that has to be a labor of love, you know, at that level or no one's, no one's making any money and, and you're going a lot, putting a lot of, uh, 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 creating a lot of problems for yourself. Most guys, uh, uh, well, let's put it this way: most most wives weren't real glad to hear that their husbands were going to race with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it was tough. But we, you know, we had good people. We've always been fortunate in that respect. Uh, we've had some real good ones, and and uh, the guys that weren't maybe weren't weren't quite as skilled skilled mechanically were. Uh, were good uh, entertainers, so they'd uh, you know keep us laughing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've you know I've heard so many stories from back in this era. You know, during the middle seventies and the match race scene, and you know I, I think you guys actually had more fun after the race was done than you did during the race. No, that's that, that's a fact. You know, going back, <laughs> going back to you know when we'd be do Tulsa and uh, and then Indy and and uh, surrounding areas and such and we'd be traveling with two or three other other uh, race teams and uh, there was a lot of shenanigans going on the roads and you know we we're trying to see who had the best uh, tow vehicle whether it was a gm or a ford or or a dodge or everything so there was a lot of competition on the freeways too at that time but uh, uh and then we we managed to meet in areas and west van Dusen, uh was very beneficial to keep everybody together was a uh, was a, a great chef if it meant uh uh dark rum uh and sandwiches you know he, he really <laughs> came for the seed <laughs> yeah. <for> <laughs> yeah 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 Wes took care of the the of the uh, hors d'oeuvres and and that uh, we hope so we ate good <laughs> well like i said i know that ship has sailed and the you know the good times that happened back then i you know that those days aren't coming back but so why don't you why don't you guys tell me about uh, the the funny car top fuel is that all you guys did with this was just match racing and and where did you match race? No, well Bernie will probably have to refresh things, but the top fuel car we we uh, uh, especially when we got to the to the rear motored car you know we raced the Northwest we raced quite a few uh, NHRA points points races with that too and. Uh, and uh, uh, with the funny car, it basically 
stuck around Alberta and, you know, we went to Seattle and I think we went to Portland with it, you know, Northwest type of thing. Yeah. It, I don't think it ever attended a national event or anything like that. It was just local, you know, local races and of course, and match races, you know, the 64, the 32 funny cars, things along those lines. And that, that, that was hot, hot products. And, uh, you know, in Seattle and, uh, and Portland and, and those areas. And of course, I think, I think we even chased it down to uh, uh, Spokane a couple of times and, and ran the Mustang uh, funny car there. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of basically where, where it, I don't, like I said, I don't think it, uh, I don't think the funny cars were at a national event at all. Right, Bernie? No, that's right. As I recall, no, I don't, no, it was a pretty much just, a, it was a moneymaker rather than a money spender. <laughs> I like the drag, dragster. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people that uh, we encounter, uh, you know, say, gee, that that drag racing career, you guys made a lot of money, didn't you? I said, oh, we made a ton of money, but then we spent <laughs> a ton and a half, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody was pretty well a volunteer, and if we could cover the overhead of getting the guys to and from the races and get them, you know, feed them properly, uh, it was a, it was a, a bonus, you know, but... Uh, uh, we had a lot of a lot of help from guys like Gibbs, like Steve Gibbs. Uh, we'd attend a national event, and he'd say, "Hey, you know these guys. You go over and see them, and uh, get a decal from them, and uh, you know there's an opportunity to pick up some extra money there. And if there's anything around that he thought would benefit us, he would he would definitely send us or send them over. Hooked us up with Goodyear, and then guys like like uh, uh, well Henry Walter. You know he was big big man in the in the industry then and he knew everybody and he wanted to make sure that everybody he knew that was in the industry would would know us so we got a lot of a lot of support and then earl ritchie with schaefer and you know through linda and jack who was the head guy at schaefer at the time so it was uh we were quite fortunate as far as you know diverting some of our costs and expenses by by having help from some of these uh, uh manufacturers well, on that point, um, for both of you, uh, I had I had uh, talked with Steve Gibbs. Um, uh, what was it about two weeks ago? I guess uh, he he came on, and we we were talking about uh, we were actually talking about tiny tires. We did a little episode on the little wheels that came out in the uh, you know in the late '80s there, and Big Daddy and all that. And what he said, I told him, I said, I'm going to be talking to uh, Bernie and Terry here, and he goes, You want to know something? Out of all the drag racers and tuners and everybody that I was around, those two guys were probably a couple of the best guys that I ever got to know in the drag racing scene. So I just I just wanted to pass that on to you. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Steve was the Steve was a real uh, real guy in drag racing. I mean, he was he was wonderful for for the little guys. <laughs> yeah. He'd come around and give us pointers, you know, when, when we'd have these these uh, 32 car extravaganza at Indy and, uh, you know, you could make, uh, you know, as many runs as you want. He, he's a guy that said, listen, you better have your jack stands and your jacks. And if you're not quite pleased with your uh, qualifying point, get back in that damn line and be prepared to work on your car off the tailgate and move ahead, you know, things like this. And, uh, you know, if we didn't show up, he'd make damn sure, you know, he'd send somebody over and say, tell those guys to get their asses in the lineup here, you know. So he was really good to us. 
Well, you know, speaking of that, my my buddy Mike Couch, you know, he was on the starting line there. You know, Mike is. Uh, he told me he goes, you know, at one point we had a huge collection of like nine sixteenths wrenches and seven sixteenths wrenches because we'd find tools laying all over in the in the staging lanes back there. Guys in a big hurry to to get up and and get the next round of qualifying, and that was a different time too. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. You you're hooked up with Mike. Well, Buster and Mike were were very nice to us as well. You know, we're pleased to have those guys around. Mike uh, was quite critical. You know, he'd tell you if you screwed up, you know, he'd call you no drive, son of a bitch, if you had to. <laughs> <laughs> he's watching this, so he's going to hear this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, tough love, I guess, is what they called it. <laughs> or call it now, I should say. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, well, I, you know, I went back and I went, well, actually, before we get into that, let's, let's talk about this period leading up to uh, the 1980 U.S. Nationals. This wasn't your first time at the rope, the big rodeo here. You guys had been there before. Um, why don't we talk about that period, the match racing going into uh, trying to get into the U.S. Nationals and actually win that race. Were you match racing and doing all that? And was the U.S. Nationals the only event you were attending, national event? No. No, we we do, uh, uh, you know, the Northwest Nationals in Seattle. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, one year we came in fifth in overall in the points, you know. So, we're, you know, where we, you know, we were in uh, Indy and uh, I think we were Atlanta, Baton Rouge. Uh, where else, Bernie? Don't remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that pretty well covers it. I don't remember. <laughs> no, we uh, we had selected ones that fit our fit our schedule, and uh, and uh, you know it uh, it was all good experience we gained, and uh, you know it, it wasn't it wasn't a just uh, you know show up at the track for the first time and and uh, you know win Indy. That was a it, it was a little more involved than that. We we paid our dues <laughs> going in, but but we were lucky enough to to win one of the biggies. That thirty two car deal was kind of special, and uh, we, um, we we uh, hell we did Indy. Well, I know specifically with the uh, the first back motored car, obviously in the book in seventy two or seventy three. Yes, uh, of course. We had to win our nationals pretty, pretty much, you know, on a regular basis. But I specifically recall in uh, in seventy two or seventy three when we were there filing the ring gaps uh, or the pistons to put in an extra oil ring because we never had any more pistons. But uh, that was the year that uh, the world famous hockey player Wayne Gretzky got uh, got uh, sold from the Indianapolis Racers to the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Uh, they came out to the track to introduce him and say, hey, these guys are from Edmonton. This is where you're going. And I said to Bernie, looked at Wayne and Gretzky and uh, Peter Pockington and Nelson Scalvania that were the, 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 the buyers and the sellers. And I said, God, I've seen hockey sticks thicker than that kid. I don't know how the hell he's ever going to play hockey. And look what happened there. He probably looked at us and he said, these guys are here to do what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I can't judge your book by its cover, I guess, huh? <laughs> I guess not. Well, uh, Bernie, here's here's one of these things, and it, and and for you too, Terry. Uh, Doc Holliday, who lives 
about five miles north of me here, a uh, funny car driver drove the Telstar. Um, he, you know, him and Jerry Newman, when they were out running the match race scene, uh, I talked to Jerry several times about this and he goes, you know, sometimes the racers who were out on the match race scene running these crappy tracks and figuring out how to get two or three good runs down a lousy track would march into these national events and have such a huge advantage over the guys that weren't on the match race scene because they knew how to get down a track. They knew how to tune a car for that. Well, that's something that, you know, I can substantiate being really gold because uh, I recall Bernie standing down there watching it and going to the mid track and watching any, any type of a car, not necessarily a, a fuel car and uh, saying, you know, this is where we're going to go. And Bernie, you probably won't agree with me here, but I recall uh, Big Daddy even coming over and talking to Bernie and saying, you know, which way should we go? Should we be over here or over there? What do you think about that lane or the other lane? And uh, that's kind of, uh, uh, you know, true to the fact, you know, there's no Lannies running around there with all this high-tech equipment. It was take a look at the, at the track and decide, you know, where you're going to plant the car. So... Uh, uh, and of course, you know, we, we ran on, on tracks going back in the seventies that, uh, that were, uh, air bases and, uh, during, during, uh, the, after the war type of thing. And, uh, there, there was decent asphalt spots there where you could, you know, run a quarter mile. And, uh, when nobody was there racing, it was a cow pasture. So you can imagine what, uh, what was all over the track, right? So <laughs> you had a, a lot of things, but mind you, we didn't race any uh, fuel cars there. It was our, you know, our gas cars and things like that. So it's all like Bernie says, it's a learning curve, you know, and all that training that he took at Nate to become a mechanic. I think he's told me this before. It didn't have a lot to do with top fuel racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, I had to justify something, you know. <laughs> there, there was actually, the truth of the matter is, there was some, some, uh, a lot of things that I did learn just about being a mechanic at, at, in that program and uh, uh, it served me well, actually. You know, these days, uh, you know, it, it's such a science. You know, you go to, let's say you go to the Mile High Nationals or whatever they're calling it these days. You go uh -huh. to Denver, you've got a combination that you kept from every time you've been there or you go to baton rouge you've got a combination for that kind of air but bat, when you when you're going from one <laughs> lousy prep track to another there is no combination you got to figure it out on the fly right no exactly and you know speaking of uh denver we did race there a few times as well but uh you know uh, uh bernie was uh definitely in support of, hey, we got to get more compression here. And we're thinking, what the hell do you have to do that for? And he said, take a look at the altitude. Okay, that explains it, you know, type of deal. But, for, you know, going going to places like Denver and coming from a track either, either well, Edmonton International Speedway wasn't that bad, but Calgary was a different a different story. No track prep or anything like that. Same thing with Saskatoon. Basically, you know, they had, you'd be lucky if they had VHT and half the time they never had it, we'd have to, you know, do it ourselves. But uh uh, there's, and you know, it's no different now. I mean, take a look at what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're, uh, analyzing that track left, right, and center. It's all about, you know, how much bite's going to be there. You know, I, I don't, I, I never, I never get down on, on the NHRA in a program because I mean, I I've always understood that we've got where we are today with drag racing because everybody's always chasing quicker, faster, quicker, faster. 
and trying to innovate to get there. And, and this is just a natural progression. I know a lot of people aren't happy with it, but I'm thrilled to death that the NHRA is looking the way they are today. But track prep, you know, it, there there was something about the excitement of a race where you actually lane choice made a difference. And I don't think that happens in today's races. I mean, even in the 90s, Bernie, when with with force and that, did, was lane choice even such a big deal then? Uh, yes. <laughs> in the 90s, it still was. Steve Gibbs yeah. hadn't hadn't glued the tracks yet quite as much yet, huh? No, uh, no. Well, they, no, they were they were using glue, but uh, relatively small small uh, volumes by comparison. And uh, uh, no, they put a lot more emphasis on track, and we all we you know we we wanted it, you know, and and uh, uh, I think it makes for better racing. Really, I mean. The idea of both cars going up there and smoking the tires to hit, well, I guess that appeals to this to certain group, and I'm not knocking it, but but uh, there's something to be said for a nice side-by-side race, two cars running down a good prep, prep surface and, you know, producing good ETs. So, I don't know, it's just my personal preference, I guess. Well, I, I, I do agree with you on that. I'd rather see a side-by-side race than I would have, you know, somebody who should have won the race go out because the track sucked. I, I would much rather see that. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. There's not, a, not a lot, not a lot of that happening now. You know, it, it's always pretty good. And, you know, you see these national events where, uh, uh, you know, they get, get lane choice. And uh, it seems like Bernie can attest to this, that uh, you see them pulling the clutch cover off or fooling around with the cover off the computer and all that. And they can make a quick adjustment to uh to make the thing stick to the stick to the track but it's it's pretty pretty scientific now bernie had a lot of involvement with that and uh i did not so uh it's hard for me to comprehend that but it's all technology i mean uh i say that the way it is now if they didn't need somebody to point the car uh they'd send it down there by itself and they'd take a look at the computer and find out what they did wrong but of course you need somebody to point that damn car <laughs> yeah yeah, that's right. No, the uh, that pointing is still a pretty big part of the deal. <laughs> that's what separates the the uh, the the, the uh, winners. Well, I shouldn't say winners or losers or whatever, but but it separates the ones that have the, the most success, the ones that are able to keep the track or keep the car in the track on the groove, and. Uh, and uh, be able to take advantage of what the track has to offer. So, uh, believe me, I, there's lots of uh, challenges left out there for a driver. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, well, let's let's talk about the 1980 U.S. Nationals. Uh, you know, it would if I remember right, wasn't this Terry? You probably know this. This was the last 32 car top fuel sh- uh, field, I believe, ever at the U.S. Nationals. Correct. That's correct. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you've got Beck, who's number one in the points. You've got Jeb Allen, who's number two in the points. And you've got Shirley, who's number three. You've got that battle going on all year long. And what I find incredible about this race, and I I actually went back and looked at the numbers, Bernie's tuning and your driving were unbelievably consistent through this entire race. You guys were running 586. 584, 589. I mean, nobody else, even Jeb Allen was running 560s 
uh, or I'm sorry, uh, he was running five ninety six O's, and you guys, wh- what was what made this race so good for you? You know what's funny, Terry? At the end of the race, would when you were being interviewed, you said something like, uh, "Incredible it is, Steve, as we have finally gotten to the last two cars of this U.S. Nationals. It's been a long, long race with the rain delay caused in right about halfway through final eliminations, delaying it one day." We've come down now and a great crowd has turned out, unexpected as they were, to show up because nobody expected to be racing down this Indianapolis Raceway Park quarter mile. But right now, Jeb Allen against Terry Cap, the final in top fuel eliminator. Both cars very closely matched on the performance standards set earlier in the race and they leave the line side by side. It appears to be Terry Cap with the lead and it is Terry Cap. The national champion in top fuel racing, 5.82 seconds his elapsed time. A close race as it was a 5.89 for Jeb Allen. And you see just a slight lead being built up there in the first few hundred feet for Terry Cap, And it was enough to carry him to the winner's circle. Tell me about the race. What happened? Oh, it was just excellent. We, uh, everything worked. Everything was clicking our way all weekend. You know, we got here on time. We're usually late, you know. My chief, my crew chief, Bernie, came with us. He usually flies and he takes the wrong airplane, you know? <laughs> Everything was just working good. And we, uh, we, uh, you know what bushing is? We bush to see who got the bed. I got a bed. I usually get a roll away. I had a bed all week. It's just been great. And the motor is just as clean and dry as a whistle. This could be the start of a lot more of these, don't you think? Well, uh, as far as my uh, wife, Rochelle, and my son, Jared, are concerned, if they can come, fine. But if not, I don't know. But, you know, we're part-time professionals, and uh, we raced and we got the time. This weekend, we had the time, and here we are, man. Well, congratulations to you, uh, Canada, and all the Canadian fans yeah, are here, I, and there are thousands of them. I know. We've got a lot of fans back home, and I only wished half of them that were here could have stayed, because I like doing it for them, too. I know you do. A happy Canadian. You'll take that U.S. green north of the border. But what made the difference for you guys in this race? Well, it's, yeah, Bernie would have to tell you about that because uh, uh, he just kept saying we've got a lot of potential for this race. But we, we always were successful. Well, not that successful, but we always qualified well at Indy. And, you know, they're all, those 30 car, 32 car fields were prevalent, of course, then. And we always are in the, in the top half, you know, which you got to be better than 16, nonetheless. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, just everything well again we i think we had a match race in saskatoon on the way down there and uh, we bargained up an aluminum head uh bernie can correct me if i'm wrong and we ended up bolting on uh, the cast iron heads and we thought well is this going to make things better or worse and uh I, I i may be right or maybe wrong i know we set the track record in saskatoon for just about everything you know top speed and low et which uh, still stands, but you know that is because nobody else has raced there since, probably. But <laughs> we got a few records like that. But uh, I don't know, Bernie. It's, it was it was you had the right combination, and and Bernie liked Indy. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, yeah, it was uh, one of those deals that uh, uh, there was just enough. There was so much hype uh, involved with that race. It was hard not to get caught up in the excitement of it, and. Uh, and just kind of, you know, when you had an opportunity to go out there and bash heads with the boys and, and girls, I guess, uh, you, uh, uh, you know, you know, I'd take full advantage of it. So we were real, real careful with the moves we made, and, and uh, 
Uh, we uh, we used to do a lot of committee stuff too. You know, we'd say, "Well, what do we think we should do here?" And uh, you know, so uh, you know, fortunately, we all kind of were on the same page at that race, I guess. And, and uh, uh, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of uh, well, I guess we made some good calls that day. And and uh, you know, uh, but then you, it's funny how that works. And I'm glad you mentioned it, but. Uh, uh, some uh, some tracks are good for some people, and we did over well. All did well at Indy. Well, you know, Marvin Graham. Uh, I'm just looking at my stat sheet here. Marvin Graham qualified for that race with a with a uh, five sixty eight, and I was I'm not sure how he pulled that off because the rest of the race he never ran below five eight. But I mean the consistency that you guys showed in that race, because if you think about it, you got Beck and, and Jeb Allen and Shirley, and these guys are all at the top of their game. And you guys come in there and just <laughs> uh, win that race. And I, now granted Shirley red lighted, but even on that red light, she still only ran a five ninety, and you guys still ran a five, uh, five eighty. So, I mean, congratulations to you guys and Bernie, I'm assuming it had a lot to do with how you tuned that car. Were you guys running a, were you guys running still running a pedal clutch at that time, a two-speed? Uh, no, we uh, we actually had a centrifugal clutch in at that point, and uh, it was that helped the consistency. It was something the, the dragster guys were reluctant to to give up their uh, starting line advantage, which they did. They could leave a little. Probably reaction times were better. We know didn't monitor that stuff so much then, but but. Uh, I guess a, uh, you know, there you know, the, the center of the clutch did uh, did uh, have some uh, advantages and disadvantages. One, uh, one being consistency being uh, important, and and that they they were definitely better for that. But not everyone had them, and so uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was well, just we, uh, the, one uh, of the reasons we had the the glide in that car is because. That's what we had to put in the funny card. That's right. <laughs> so when it was in the funny card, that's where it belonged. And it was in the dragster. We just sort of put it there and uh, and Bernie got it to work quite well in the dragster. So we just kind of stuck with it. And, uh, and uh, you know, that, that, that car, that specific car they won Indy with, the way Bernie had it set up, uh, you know, I, too bad we couldn't get some stats on the 60 footers on that. Cause I'll tell you that would lay you back in that seat. Like you wouldn't believe mind you half the time. I don't know what else Bernie was scheming there for, but it would it'd keep picking up the front wheels on that car. And we never had wheelie bars on it. And he said, you don't need them. So I guess that was fine. But you know, more often than enough, the thing was, you know, a, a, you know, eight inches a foot, foot and a half. And uh, when it was ready to settle down, it just settled down and go like a bat out of, you know, where, and, uh, the car, you know, handled quite well and had great power. It, it it tended to move a little bit just before I'd shift it, you know, and that was a good indication to say, come on, it's time to shift it. So, you know, it all worked. 